0: Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Of course, as always, I'm your host here, Charles Hamaker. We are less than a week away from the Winter Classic uh, at T-Mobile Park between our Seattle Kraken and the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, with you know all of the excellent sort of uh, branding that's come with that, that pays homage to the Metropolitans and to a lot of the hockey history in this city. Uh, it'll be good to be back in the ballpark, different than what we're used to uh, with, with the Mariners in baseball. Thankfully, we have some baseball news to talk about after last week. I basically said we, ain't, we don't have anything to talk about. Um, the Seahawks have some good progress that they've made. Uh, and Obviously, they're the first team that we go into, and we've got two games to talk about since the Eagles, Uh, came into town last Monday right after we recorded the show. Uh, So we've got two games to talk about and thankfully two wins to talk about, which is very exciting. And we'll look at what that means for this team going forward. So we'll start with that Eagles game. Uh, Last Monday, December 18th versus the Philadelphia Eagles was a 20 to 17 victory. Uh, The Seahawks snapped their losing streak uh they continue to help the eagles and their current skid uh, that's continued into this uh last nfl sunday uh with a 20 to 17 victory drew lock starts this game there was a lot of confusion whether or not geno smith would be able to play in this game it was determined that they would go into warm-ups and see if he would be able to go uh considering the groin injury that he had suffered in practice leading into this game uh he was taking warm-ups he was uh practicing before the game but ultimately pete carroll decided they would rather have him healthy going forward than potentially re-aggravate anything and they went with drew lock this game It was a tough one uh, for the offense under Drew Locke and against a pretty solid Philadelphia Eagles defense. Uh, It was a 10-3 score at halftime with Seattle trailing, so you're within it. You're within one score. Uh, Seattle is able to make the necessary stops late, uh, down by four points. Uh, Drew Locke is able to find DK Metcalf several times uh, going down the field before ultimately finding Jackson Smith and Jigba up the sideline uh, on over-the-shoulder catch to give the seahawks uh, the lead and ultimately julian love with his second interception of the game picks off jalen hurts in the dying moments to give seattle a huge victory so our offensive player of the game i just mentioned him i could have gone with a few different directions here you know you could have gone with jsn we're catching the uh, game-winning touchdown but i instead went with dk metcalf he didn't have the biggest game per se In total, his uh, stat line was five receptions for 78 yards. Uh, He was big on the final drive, though, beating James Bradbury uh, Eagles corner several times to get down the field, coming up big in that clutch situation to help bring Settle down the field so that ultimately Drew Locke could get that pass, uh, that game winner to Jackson Smith and Jigba. On the defensive side of the ball, Julian Love has stepped up big in Jamal Adams' absence talked about Gino Smith being out of this game. Jamal Adams was out of this game uh, as he continues to deal with lingering effects to the surgery he had in the off season. He uh, was in an for this game. He was also not at the stadium technically as an inactive. He didn't have to be there, but that's an interesting note that a lot of the fan base has, um, been aware of and been made aware of, and we'll talk about how that relates to the Titans game here in a minute. But Julian Love, you know, signed in the offseason from the Giants, uh, has gotten some scrutiny, as has a good amount of the Seahawks defense, to be fair. Um, But Julian Love in this game, nine total tackles, six solo, two interceptions, which were big. And two pass deflections as well, as I mentioned, has been big in stepping up in relief as Jamal Adams has been injured. So that one was a big one. Going into this Titans game, though, Geno Smith back, In the lineup some fans had thought hey why not drew lock again we'll talk about that in a minute but you go in against this titans team that's not fighting for a playoff spot right now they still have derrick henry will levis their emergent rookie quarterback was not able to go so ryan Tannehill was in for this game it was a tough game uh for seattle even though it was a one that some fans it was one that some fans thought should have been sort of a runaway it was not seattle had to engineer another game-winning drive beating the Titans by a score of 20-17. to 17. And with that comeback, uh, the Seahawks became only the second team in NFL history, the first in 24 years, to have different players lead game-winning drives uh, in back-to-back games, which is remarkable to think about with Drew Locke and Geno Smith going in and doing that. After the game, uh, Smith talked heavily about this team uh, and how they practiced the two-minute drill. Often, it's obviously paying off. This one was tough. Uh, Seattle couldn't get too much going. Ultimately had again to another big drive at the end of the game uh, to lead this one off. And then it was, uh, well, on the offensive drive, uh, I talked about against the Eagles DK Metcalf was big leading Seattle down the field. This time around, it was more spread out. Uh, there were a few different notable past plays that helped Seattle get down the field, including a third and 14, where Gino Smith found Jackson Smith and Jigba straight down the heart of the Tennessee defense, ultimately uh, on the goal line, Seattle threw a, a somewhat of a fade route to Kobe Parkinson, the six, seven tight end out of Stanford uh, to use that body, use that big boy football uh, and catch that touchdown on the defensive side of things. When Tennessee got the ball back, Tariq woolen, who had been benched against the Eagles as a big comeback game in this one. Uh, making a big tackle at the end of the game uh, to keep the Tennessee receiver inbounds and have the clock run out uh, to end the game. So on the offensive side of the uh, the ball, not a ton of big per se flashy superstar type numbers on the offensive side of the ball, but Geno Smith, I mean, to be able to come back, uh, lead the game winning drive was big in the second half of this game Uh, in total 25 completions, 277 passing yards and two touchdowns, including the game winning drive. Of course, I know there's been a lot of scrutiny about Gino and I just, I don't think that's fair in the second half completed 15 of his 20 passes for 158 yards and two touchdowns on third down five for six, five conversions and a touchdown was huge in the second half of this game, you know, not being able too much uh, to get the run game going, um, you know, and finally having both of his offensive tackles healthy. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute on the defensive side of the ball, a guy that was lighting things up, earlier in the season uh with a sack streak that he had kind of been quiet as teams have adjusted and schemed to block him better. Uh second year linebacker Boye Mafe has been has been big. Uh was big in this game, was big earlier in the season as he continued to rack up sacks, but in this one six total tackles, five solo, two sacks two tackles for loss, and four quarterback hits. So really getting after uh, Ryan Tannehill in this one, including a sack on the last Tennessee drive of the game as well to help kind of put a damper on their drive. Uh, Inactives inactives were relatively the same uh, for the Eagles and the Titans game. The only difference was Frank Clark swapped out for Kenny McIntosh uh, between the Eagles and then the Titans game, De'Estridge inactive. Devon Witherspoon has been inactive. So Seattle missing Devon Witherspoon. Obviously, that's a big inactive to have. Jamal Adams has been out. So there are a few topics to talk about here with the Seahawks, whether it be the quarterback situation, Jamal Adams. But before anything else, we'll look at these wins. These wins are big uh, because with a Vikings loss um, on Sunday, the Seahawks move into the final wild card spot in the NFC. So that's big, obviously, because, you know, you're back in the playoff picture. You had that four-game losing streak, that tough stretch of the 49ers, the Cowboys, the 49ers again, and then the Eagles. You only get one win out of it. But you could argue that those tough games against the NFC's best have made you a better team, per se. Uh, I'm not going to say that the Seahawks team is now sort of invincible, you know, but they're battle-tested, and that's what you need going into the playoffs. You know, it's it's still a tough road. You still have two games uh, to play. You know, that's not guaranteed, but you control your own destiny, and we've talked about this on this show with different teams. Uh, the Mariners last season controlled their destiny to get to the playoffs. Ultimately, they failed. They had it in their hands, and they failed. The year before, they had it in their destiny, and they were able to punch that ticket to the postseason. You know, so at the end of the day, no matter what sport it is, I would rather control my destiny than have to rely on other teams when it comes to the postseason. season. Uh, you know, next week, it's not going to be easy. You're playing a Steelers team that is without Kenny Pickett. They are going to start Mason Rudolph next week, but they're, they're the same record as the Seahawks. They're fighting for their playoff lives as well. So it's two teams that want to get to the same place and they have to go through with, uh, through each other to do so. So, I like where this team is going. You have most of your offensive line healthy. You've got your tackles healthy, which is big. You know, your your weapons are incredible at the wide receiver position. Uh, You know, Kenneth Walker seems to be fully back, which is massive as well. You know, on the offensive side of the I mean, you use Kobe Parkinson, who on your depth chart is arguably your third tight end. Which was nice to see him get involved. They haven't really thrown a lot of uh, red zone targets to the tight end since Jimmy Graham was here, and even then, when he was a Seahawk, they only did that in his last season. On the defensive side of the ball, it's tough. It's very tough. Uh, you know, without Devon Witherspoon, who is such a big, dynamic corner who can help in the run game. You know, is a great cover guy as well that's tough. Uh, you like to see Tariq woolen after being benched against the Eagles have a big game against the Titans. The bench, uh, John wooden, the legendary John wooden said that the bench can be a big, uh, can be a coach's best friend, you know, help teach those lessons to some of these players. Um, Draymond Jones is, uh, He's had an interesting season, not the easiest, but with Uchenna Nwosu going out earlier in the year, he's moved from inside defensive line to out on the uh, the edge to help dispatch rush. He had one of the sacks that Seattle had six sacks against the Titans. You know, I talked about Boye Mafe. Seattle leads the NFC in sacks. You think that would help them be a better defense? They're dealing with some things. Anyway, they've helped, you know, uh, against the Eagles last week. Um, yeah, last week. You know, being able to kind of limit that offense, Jalen Hurts wasn't able to get a lot. He didn't look great in that game. He threw two picks. You know, that that running game as well. They've got a strong running game. They got one of the best offensive lines in the league. Seattle was able to help mitigate that, get their offense the ball back to lead to that Drew Lock game-winning drive. Same thing with this. I mean, you're playing Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry threw a touchdown against the Seahawks. Uh, they had to get creative. They had to get crafty late in the game. Seattle was able to make the stop to get their offense the ball back. So, you know, it's it's been impressive to see both sides of the ball be relentless, be uh, resilient as they move forward and try to figure some things out uh, as this season goes on, as, as they battled some of the tougher teams in the NFC. Uh, with the quarterbacks, I know there were a lot of fans who were, you know, pounding the table for Drew Locke. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. If you look at that Eagles game, most of his passing yards come on that game-winning drive. It doesn't make sense to say, oh, yeah, there's a con- quarterback controversy now. I get it. It was an excellent story. It was great for Drew Lock to come in. You know, uh, everybody was uh, playing put on by Jeezy uh, because of his uh, video that went viral when he was with the Broncos. I get it. It was great. I had fun with it too. It doesn't make sense though to start him over Geno Smith, who can throw the ball better, who leads the offense better, um, and is just more experienced. I'm sorry. I understand the Drew Locke thing. It was a fun experience. Very well could get a contract somewhere else next year. I get that. But I just think Geno Smith makes more sense as your quarterback right now. I'm not saying he's your future quarterback. That's a different discussion that we need to have in the offseason. But he will do for right now. He fits the bill for what you're doing in this current moment. End of discussion. There shouldn't be anything more than that. Uh, The Jamal Adams situation. That's interesting. Not. Being in the stadium for the Eagles game that Pete Carroll was aware of, um, and there hasn't been anybody that's necessarily disputed that. Adams himself hasn't disputed that because he hasn't been around. Uh, And then against the Titans, didn't travel to Nashville. I understand, you know, if you're you're dealing with an injury and you want to rehab it, that's fine. But, you know, it says something, at least to me that he wasn't present at either game. uh, Devon Witherspoon has been inactive for both of these games. He was very presently at the Eagles game, hyping his, he's been very present about hyping his teammates up, whether it was week one when he didn't play. uh, There's been a video when Bobby Wagner comes out to introductions, he's losing his mind about how excited he is to see Bobby Wagner come out against the Eagles. There's sideline video of him hyping up fellow first round pick Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's, it's, you know, there's a difference here. And I get it. You know, there are different situations per se. Jamal Adams has dealt with a lot of injuries throughout the course of his career and has had a relatively tough tenure here in Seattle. Devon Witherspoon's brand new here, here uh, in a Seahawks uniform. But, you know, the effort is something that's visible and apparent to me. And that's why that sticks out. So. The Jamal Adams situation is something certainly to be discussed going forward, especially with the play of Julian Love, who had another solid game against the Titans after his wife, congratulations, by the way, um, just had their child a few days before and he had to come to Tennessee separately. He had a big game as well. So again, the effort stands out to me. If it's a parent, uh, you know, the efforts being made is my point. So that's where we are with that. Uh, the Seahawks sit at eight and seven right now, which is still good for third in the NFC West because the Rams keep winning, which is frustrating. Um, and why the Seahawks aren't the sixth seed in the NFC, uh, the Rams, because they swept the, C- uh, the Seahawks this season, have the tiebreaker. So uh, going forward, though, you are still in the playoff spot. And as I mentioned, you control your own destiny. So that starts. Two games left. That starts on Sunday, December 31st against the Pittsburgh Steelers with a one o five p.m. Pacific time kickoff. That game will be on Fox. It's not going to be an easy one. Uh, again, the Steelers under Mike Tomlin are, <laughs> have incredible consistency. I'm not saying they're the best team in the AFC, but they've been incredibly consistent. They're a hard-nosed football team. TJ Watt's going to play some factor in this game as well. Uh, and they're fighting for their playoffs fight lives as well. They have the same record as the Seahawks. Uh, It's not going to be some sort of pushover that's going to be easy for Seattle in this one. So we move over here. As I talked about last week, there's no Mariners news. What's happening? Why is it so quiet? Christmas Eve, that changed. The Mariners gave out a two-year $24 million deal to catcher slash designated hitter Mitch Garver. Garver won the World Series last year with the Texas Rangers. Has uh, had some injury issues, staying healthy, being able to put together at bats, but he does have some proven power. That's big for this Mariners lineup, but it shouldn't be the only move that they make. There's been a lot of discourse about this move. Why are you signing another catcher? Yada yada yada. Point being, if we look at the. The thing down here, Garver is meant to be the primary designated hitter from sources. That is how the Mariners view him. They haven't had a primary designated hitter since Nelson Cruz, which if you remember, Nelson Cruz was a few years ago, more than a few years ago. He does have some red flags. I understand that. But he makes the Mariners better than where they currently sat before they signed him. And again, it needs to be only the first step. You need some outfielders. I need a third uh, an everyday third baseman I don't want it to be arias you know I'm okay kind of with sticking with Josh Rojas at second base I know that's not the most popular opinion but he showed some flashes at the end of the year last season uh, and really wasn't necessarily able to get fully settled here but you know I, I feel good about him so Yeah, there needs to be other things done if you're going to be better than you were at the end of last year. Uh, And if you're going to compete in the AL West, you still have to compete with the Astros. They're not going away yet. You have to compete with this Rangers team that just won the World Series, you know, and didn't necessarily lose a ton. Um, His, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, with Mitch Garver, you're looking at him here. Uh, his WRC plus was at 138, which would have been the best in the Mariners lineup if he was on this uh, team last season. So, you know, and, and a few days before the Mariners had lost Tom Murphy to free agency uh, as he signed a two-year deal with the San Francisco giants. If we compare the numbers overall, Garver has a lot better numbers than Tom Murphy in just about every stat, whether it be war, Games played, played appearances, hits, home runs, RBIs, stolen stolen bases. Uh, to be fair, Garver has two. Murphy has zero. Um, we go down the list: OPS plus, OPS, etc. So, I'm fine with this move. You know, again, it fills a designated hitter spot that you really haven't been able to cement over the course of the past six years or so. You know, it was a struggle this year. You hope that guys like Cooper Hummel would fit in there tommy LaStella, that didn't work you tried to dip your hand into the giant bin of discount cds at walmart and you hope to pull out an emmy it wasn't going to happen um garver i you know i feel happy with that that's your primary designated hitter leave him alone he can give cal days off i know that you brought in zebby zavala that's fine uh but I, I trust Garver Moore to do that. Even then, if you've got those two guys on your roster, one of them on your bench, more reason to keep Cal Raleigh healthy uh, and give him some days off. So feel confident in that. But again, it cannot be the only thing that the Mariners do. Where do they sit if they're still looking at Randy Rosarena and Isar Paredes? Is that still in in you know the realm of possibility? It can't be the only move that the Mariners make. It just simply cannot. So, um, that's all we've got for the Mariners. Again, I know I talked about it. Oh, there's finally some Mariners. That's the only thing that happened. You know, it happened on uh, Christmas Eve. It just kind of dropped out of nowhere. Uh, we move over to the Kraken here. Uh, they they're keeping things moving forward, which is big uh, as we headed into the holiday break. So. That started with the first three games of a four-game stretch on the road. The first of those, December 18th, at the Dallas Stars, a 4-3 loss in overtime. So you still get one standings point, at least. You keep your point streak alive, which is massive as we continue to try to inch back our way into the wild card. Uh, our player of the game forward, Maddie Bennears, one goal, one assist, two points, a three-plus, minus, and four shots on the day. This one was tough. Seattle goes down early uh, by a two-goal deficit, thanks to some some poor defensive lapses uh, by their own fault. They're able to climb back into it as the top line of Tomas Sitar, Matty Bennear, excuse me, and Jordan Eberle uh, kind of help drive the offense. Ellie Tolvanen ties things late as the Kraken pull the goaltender and put up the sixth skater uh, to bri- provide the extra offense late, but they do fall ultimately in the overtime period. So that's one's tough Dallas at the top of their division, one of the best teams in the Western Conference in the NHL. You take the one point, you're happy with it, right? You go then, you play the second time in three games against the LA Kings. You finished off your homestand with them, and then you play them here, uh, the second game of this road trip. You beat the LA Kings in Crypto.com Arena, should be Staples Center, uh, by a score of 2-1. to This one on national television, our player of the game, Joey Decor. Joey plays excellent, as he has uh, during the entirety of this stretch that he's been making starts with Philip Grubauer injured, uh, Joey on the night 42 saves in a 977 save percentage. Those 42 saves tie the franchise record for a single game for the Kraken. It was 43, but the NHL did make a change and they took away one of the saves, which is just downright cruel, man. Um, and he, it's funny Joey ties his own record that he set earlier this season with 42 saves against the Carolina Hurricanes at home. So big one there uh, to get that against the Kings. I mean, again, one of the best teams in the NHL, they're an absolute wagon uh, and and they're in the Pacific division as well. So you're going to see them. It's nice to go down into their house and beat them uh, and, and get three out of four total points against them in the two games that you've played against them so far this year. So uh, going into it, there was a two days off they were in California. So hypothetically, they could have gone down to Disneyland if they wanted to, but, Regardless, December 23rd, they get back to it in the final game before the holiday break. Uh, the Kraken take down the Anaheim Ducks by a score of three to two. This one a little bit more in control. You know, that Dallas game was one they had to come back into. Uh, the Kings game was one where uh they got the lead and they had to hold on to it for dear life. This one a little bit uh less stressful than those per se. Um Seattle scores the first two goals early on. They feel good about it. Anaheim gets one in the second period. You're like, all right, this might be trouble. Tomash Tatar scores one in the third to give them that two-goal lead back. Trevor Zegers then comes out and scores a lacrosse-type goal. Now, if you don't know what that is, uh, basically Zegers got the puck on the end of his stick, picked it up, which is very untraditional for standard ice hockey, and jammed it into the net uh with it on his stick that doesn't happen it takes a lot of skill uh zegras has done it uh, the most out of anybody in the league Uh, and it's the second time that day that anybody had done that chicago's connor bedard did that earlier in the day Uh, so that brought the deficit for anaheim down to one seattle is able to hold on waste the time and salt that win away our player of the game in this one defenseman vince dunn done one goal two assists three points and one plus minus and three shots his first assist on Oliver Bjorkstrand's first period power play goal uh gave him a hundred career assists as a member of the Kraken making him the first player in franchise history to do so so looking into it our player of the week once again Joey Decord uh in net last three games 97 saves facing 105 shots on goal for a 933 save percentage has just continued to be an anchor. I thought with those two days off and with the streak that Joey has had that perhaps we would see uh, Chris Drieger get into the net against the Ducks. That was not the case. It'll be interesting to see who starts in their next game uh, as Philip Grubauer continues to work back from injury. But. Uh, again, you have to admire the sort of effort that jo- Joey DeCord has had here. That makes it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's eight consecutive starts, eight consecutive appearances, and seven straight starts. Let me make two, four. So yeah, that's eight consecutive appearances and seven starts, which is just. Absolutely ridiculous. You're hoping you're not burning the guy out, but Joey has been massive for this Kraken team. (laughs) You really can't understate the sort of um, performance and effort that he's been able to give here, uh, which has just been big. You know, last season around this time, more so in January, and I mean, we're getting close to that. Uh, Martin Jones had this sort of performance. I feel Phil- as Philip Grubauer had suffered an injury around that time as well uh, and came in and just was an absolute workhorse uh, in the net for the Kraken. Same thing with Joey right now. Uh, I-, I-, I talked about it last week. I think I talked about it the week before and I'll talk about it again. I had some concerns about whether or not Joey would be able to handle this sort of workload at the NHL level, and he's blown through that. Absolutely. So it will be interesting to see what sort of contract he gets from the Kraken moving forward because with this sort of play, it should be a longer term deal. Uh, But yeah, he's been excellent in the net for Seattle, especially as they've dealt with uncertainty, dealt with the bad puck luck. I mean, obviously this stretch is big, but he's been solid all season for the Kraken. So just looking at it here um we do have some injury related notes unfortunately it feels like we have something relating to injuries every week uh but forward pierre Edward belmar will be out for four to six weeks uh due to an injury that he suffered so that one's really tough to tough to kind of bear Considering all the injuries that the Kraken have already, I mean, you think about Jaden Schwartz being on long-term injured reserve, Andre Burakovsky being on injured reserve, Philip Grubauer is obviously on injured reserve, as we've talked about, so it's it's not been an easy season at all for Seattle for a multitude of reasons, but this just kind of adds to it. You know, you've got now Belmar, Schwartz, Burkowski, Grubauer all out injured currently. Justin Schultz had been dealing with an injury. Jared McCann missed that game against the Kings. So it really has been hard for this team to stay healthy. Um, And that's just the bad luck of things. They were relatively healthy last season. And that hasn't been the case for them this season. It's just kind of how the sports work out. So. That one really tough for Seattle. I mean, to lose another player uh, to an injury is not easy. We'll try to see if we can find the upper or lower body. I know in hockey, it's very up or down to whether you get those sort of lower body injury, a lower body injury in that game on the road against the Stars approximately four to six weeks. So that is about it for the past week of news relating to the Kraken looking ahead. Two of these games are not like the other. Uh, the Kraken sit at a 12-win, 14-loss, 9-overtime loss record. They sit at 5th in the Pacific Division. They are tied for 4th with the Calgary Flames, uh, but Calgary owns uh, the better win percentage in that one, and they probably own the uh, head-to-head record. So, Seattle is in 5th in the Pacific Looking ahead, their next game is tomorrow, December 27th at the Calgary Flames with a 6.30 p.m. Pacific time start. Despite the Flames not quite being the sort of juggernaut team that they have been in recent years uh, over the course of this season so far, they've had the Kraken's numbers so far. uh, So looking to change some fate there, uh, looking to end off this little road trip with a positive note. Then the Kraken will come back for one more game ahead of the Winter Classic. It'll be at home uh, December 29th versus the Philadelphia Flyers. That is a 7 p.m. Pacific time puck drop. Uh, The Flyers, they're they're a pesky team. Uh, They're a hard-working group, but, you know, I don't want to say that. I'd say you should beat them, but, again, it's the NHL. Anything can happen any given night. And then Monday, January 1st uh, at T-Mobile Park versus the Las Vegas Golden Knights at noon is the nhl winter classic at t-mobile park obviously a big event uh there will be a bunch of different things going on leading into the game itself i know a, a bunch of friends of mine are already getting their tickets they're getting ready to go we're excited to be able to be on on site be on assignment there and cover all of the events going into the week so Looking forward to that, looking forward to seeing, you know, I know <laughs> Sir Mix-a-Lot's going to be there for the uh, some entertainment. They've got a bunch of sales sports legends they're going to bring out for the second intermission. And it will be cool to see T-Mobile Park transfer from the normal ballpark that we're used to into uh, a, a rink that holds ice hockey. So that wraps us up for this week's episode, December 26th of Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Great to be back, uh, of course, in studio, as always, with you. Shout out to Omi behind the camera for me there. Uh, it's uh, interesting past week, but a good past week, right? I mean, the Seahawks with two wins. Uh, the Mariners actually make a signing. Again, it need, there needs to be more that follows that, of course. Uh, and the Kraken continue. They've got a six-game point streak currently running, which has helped them, you know, Obviously, you'd like more than just the one point in these games, but it keeps you around. It keeps you in the fight for the wild card, despite the struggles you've had on the ice and in terms of health throughout the course of the year. So until we see you next week, we're going to do the same thing next week, Tuesday, because the Winter Classic is on Monday at noon. Until we see you then, take care of yourselves, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day.